0: songwriter we had the opportunity to talk to jesse royal over zoom video jesse royal talks about being born and raised in saint james parish in jamaica he lived there till about seven years old and that's when he moved to kingston when he moved to kingston the very first person he became friends with was ziggy marley's son daniel and they became friends like i said around seven eight years old and then on through life he talks about being in the studio with ziggy at a very very early age seeing Lauren Hill record, being validated as an artist by Stephen Marley. He talks to us about the success of his very first record, touring with Lauren Hill and Gary Clark Jr., where he was when the pandemic hit, and his brand new record, Royal. You can watch our interview with Jesse Royal on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Jesse Royal. Well, this podcast is all about you and your journey in music. And uh, we'll talk about your new record uh, as well. That's cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. Man. Awesome. Is this, um, we, do we smoke on this?
0: Uh, if you want, I don't care.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> My God.
0: Uh, like i said it's all about you it's not about me (laughs) however you feel uh, most comfortable man
1: (laughs) definitely feel most comfortable with a split between my lips
0: there you go there you go awesome well um why don't you tell me were you were you born and raised in in jamaica
1: yeah so i was born in a place um in in the parish of saint james where we have a Maroon town there. I don't know if you know about the history of the Maroons. Uh-uh. So the Maroons were after the Middle Passage, when um slavery was still a thing. Um, these were a set of individuals who basically took to the hills, um, knowing that um whoever was coming from wherever wouldn't be able to operate in the hills, wouldn't be able to catch them in the hills, wouldn't be able to survive in the hills. So... They labelled us as maroons, people who literally run away. They call them runaway slaves, but you know what I mean. Uh-huh. So that's my that's my history, and I guess a big part of my rebellious nature. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is that did you grow up then in uh, Saint James Parish?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Saint James um, until I was about seven or eight years old, and
0: then I moved to Kingston
1: which is the, the, the capital cool. of Jamaica, you know?
0: Okay. Um, what, what took you guys to, to, to Kingston? Work? Like your parents' oh, job or something? Yeah, yeah.
1: So my, my dad got a new job, right? And my dad had moved um to Kingston the, a year earlier. And uh, my mom and my other brother, we packed up and went to Kingston. And then... As as you know, the the funny story about life when we got to Kingston, they got divorced. <laughs> so, oh, of it was like, what what was the whole point? <laughs> what was the point, guys? You know. But as you grow older, too, you 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 learn that you know, I mean, relationships are a very fickle thing, and people are people, you know. And when you're young, you only know them as parents. But then when you get older, you realize, no, that's Heather and that's Leo, two separate individual people who have to find common ground. You know.
0: Totally, totally. Um, yeah. well, when did you get into music? Were you uh, into music when you were still in Saint Par- or Saint James Parish?
1: Yeah. Well, how I really got into music, my, my grandmother was the choir director for a Baptist church. Oh, so, cool. So when I was younger, um, I would, and my mom was actually on the choir. So I would go to choir practice and choir rehearsals on the Thursday. And I'd be super confident in the church on Sunday, you know what I mean? Because I knew all the songs word for word. And if I'm being honest, that was my first real reckoning in terms of a relationship with music, you know what I mean? I remember just feeling a type of way, you know what I mean? I remember hearing certain notes and, like, goosebumps crawling over my skin, you know what I mean? And to this day, I still... Um, I lost my mom three years ago, but there's times that I do lean on certain songs that she used to play, you know, what I mean, just to bring back the vibrations and you realize that there's a mastery in selflessness, you know, mm-hmm. there's a mastery in selflessness. And I think that's why um, gospel music or, that, or, or praise music is so high because it's such a selfless thing. It's literally giving mm-hmm. to some other being. So where the root of that music is a complete different thing, you know. So don't worry about who them might talk about, you know. Just feel the feelings.
0: I love that. I've never heard anyone put it that way before. <laughs> that the go- you know gospel music is your you're not you're not taking your giving. I love that.
1: Yeah, man, is is a is is selflessness that. Um, I definitely enjoyed that experience and and lean upon them thing there. Um, every now and then or every so often. So, yeah, that was my first experience. But then if I'm being very honest, um, when I got to Kingston, 1997, I think, or 1998, uh, my best friend, like, literally the person who, as soon as I got to school, we kicked it off and we just started vibing together. And this was when I was in grade four, eh? Um, Bamba Tamali, who is also an incredible artist, he's Ziggy, <laughs> oh, wow. Marley's, first, yeah, Ziggy Marley's first son. Yeah, yeah. wow, Bamba was, was in, in, incredible. I mean, he's incredible as an artist now, but at that time, it was literally my only friend because I just moved to Kingston. eh? Uh-huh. So, me and him connected, and um, I would go over to his house like daily. And on the weekends, and my mom would come to pick me up and his mom would be like, no, 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 just leave him. He's good. He's good. Come back on Sunday. Oh, that's so, cool. <laughs> so we, we we literally spent days upon days um, together. And that was a heavily influential um, part of my life. You know what I mean? Looking back you now, I like to tell people that a lot of times we are the author's. Yes, we are the authors, but a lot of times we really are just witnessing our books, you know, we are reading as we go along and, and the chapters reveal more, you know, and sometimes chapter seven validates chapter two, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you realize why the creator did put me together with Daniel. you know, like I said to people, I was in Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers rehearsals for hours. I was in the studio with Ziggy and, and Uncle Steve and, and Uncle Damon for hours. You know I mean? I remember seeing Lauren Hill down by Hope Road when she was recording. Her. I mean, now that I've gotten older, I recall that I realized that, oh, snap, she was recording Miseducation. But at that time, you, we were just playing football. And it's like, hey, can you pass the ball? You know what I mean? Sure. But, wow. But, but these are experiences that I've learned that have been integral in you know, my perspective and from a almost psychological standpoint too, you know what I mean? So I I forever honor Ziggy Marley and Stephen Marley as um, definitely big, big impact makers in my life in terms of knowing myself, knowing Rasta, knowing the consciousness, knowing the power that comes with this consciousness, knowing the the, the duty and the responsibility as a Rasta man in the earth, understanding that it's not just about feeling like you're higher is about operating in a higher way you mm-hmm. know what i mean and to this day i still keep track on uncle ziggy because Ziggy Mali to me is one of the most right people in life if that's a good way to put it you know mm-hmm. and, and it's definitely somebody that i study and i i have been able to learn a lot from whether um loud or or, or quiet you know what i mean but um, these are experiences that I'm super grateful, and as messy as time progresses, you realize how important those um, key meetings have been. You know what I mean?
0: And 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 thing. So, do you feel like uh, being around, like wh- Just being around that atmosphere. You know, being in in the studio and, and being around. Uh, you know, Ziggy and him, him working and, and Steven, yeah. you know, like just the, that whole atmosphere, is that what really made an impact on you wanting to become a musician?
1: No, I mean, I think it was just a natural inclination. Um, I like to believe so the creator knows us by our name. You know, I think my creator knows every strand uh, here on my head. You know, I've never seen a manga tree in Alaska. And that's not because Alaska into another place in the world is just, I think, The creator places us in places that we can grow and we can flourish. So I feel like that was just, um, for lack of a better term, a watering of my roots before I even knew what my truth was. You know what I mean? It's like, can you believe that even the smallest of a grape seed is the potential for a whole vineyard? You know, so if you water it right, then, you'll you you, you you'll see what is supposed to come out of it, you know? Yeah. So I'll say that them definitely had a huge, huge impact. Funnily enough, Stephen, my uncle Steve is literally one of the people who said to me, hey, listen, like when I was older now, it's like, listen now, your parents might be upset, your friends might be confused. You yourself might not know where you're going. But you have something, you're you're blessed in a way that other people pray for every single day. Use your blessing, use your resource and know your cause and know your calling. And that was something that literally made me say, all right, yeah, why, why am I even going to school? Stephen Marley just said, do it. You right. Know I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that was definitely a thing that I'll never forget. I think that was like 2009, you know. Mm-hmm. because Daniel and I, we used to create music. We used to make music in the living room. We used to do our thing pan reasons and build our little beats on Fruity Loop and, and record ourselves, you know what I mean, 14, 15, 16, as well as one of my brothers, Kurt White also, you know what I mean? We just used to vibe and make our idea of music and then they heard and they approved, you know what I mean? And that definitely helped to strengthen me in terms of courage and confidence to take on oh, the world. Sure. You know?
0: Yeah, to be validated yeah. by somebody like that.
1: To tell right, you, like, you, know yeah. I mean, the, the you know what I mean? Who is literally the highest, you know I mean? To me, sure. Stephen Mally is probably the greatest um, reggae producer of all time, you know what I mean? Um, and that's my opinion, but hey, you can't take it from me.
0: <laughs> I was going to say a lot. <laughs> I don't think you're the only one that has that opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, okay, so you're starting to, you know, produce and, and make music 15, 16 years old. When did um, you start to pursue it as, you know, like a solo project? Were you in bands and stuff after no, well, that or?
1: No, well, as I said, like after those conversations, you know what I mean? There was a little grooming process happening and, you know, I came back to Jamaica because this was actually in Miami. So I was in Miami for like six months, oh, okay. you know, and then we I came back to Jamaica and actually reconnected with an old friend of mine um, called Remus. Remus is um Fattis Burrell's son. Now Fattis Burrell for anybody who knows reggae Fattis Burrell is exterminator records. So Fattis Burrell gave you Sisla Kalange, he gave you Luciano, he gave you Pinchers, he um has produced some incredible bears, Hammonds and and many other um, Songs in the conscious world is definitely a stalwart where that is concerned. So he connected one day, you know. What I mean, he heard me in the studio and he connected and he was like, Yo, I really think um you got something, man. And he had been turned off from music for a while, you know, so he had kind of stopped, you know, what I mean, being so active in the music scene. And I was able to reignite a fire in him, you know, what I mean, and he literally. He passed a year after that, right? Oh, wow. So I literally got the opportunity to make him fall back in love with music before he passed and um, got him active again because he'd done great things, but you know how music is. So sometimes people really get turned off from the biz, you know what I mean? And um, I, I I, was glad that I could um, rekindle him love for music before him passed. And he definitely was somebody who taught me a bit more about consciousness and understanding the power that comes with this sword, which is your tongue, you know? It's like, he he he, he gave me the first copy of Khalil Gibran's The Prophet, so if you understand uh, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. he helped to direct my train of thought in a way. Yeah, we used to sit down and listen to records and records, you know what I mean? Like, Slend the Family Stone, you know what I mean? Like, we ain't talking about no early stuff, you know what I mean? So that was a big, 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 big part of my journey too. And then after he passed, um, we kind of you just have to take up the button, um, understand the importance of the role that I am to play because I'm, I'm a firm believer in um, this world being calculated chaos. So it may seem as if I am striving and I'm trying and I'm did it, but I am what I'm supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I already am that. And the, and the greatness comes not in um being busy and trying to, you know, the greatness coming acknowledging and accepting. And once you accept that, I think a, a different glow come with you or comes to you. And I definitely felt that because remember, you know, there's people who are wondering how you're gonna eat, what you're gonna do, how you're gonna mm-hmm. survive, how you're gonna do de- it. De- de- oh, cause remember in Jamaica, you know we are dealing with 3 million people. In other States, you guys probably have uh, a, half, a half a billion people. Yeah, I was going to so, say quite a bit. Like, like, like I always said to people in you know, Jamaica, um, for me to make a million dollars, it would be more sensible for me to sell 100,000 people something for $100. You understand? Yeah. We're in the States, in the States, I could sell a million people something for a dollar. I could right. tell two million people some for 50 cents See, and still get to the target. So these are the questions that people obviously have naturally, like, how are you going to live? How are you going to survive? But, um, you have to have a different level of faith. You have to have a different level of trust. Um, musicians, I think, are some of the most faithful people in the world because you literally get up every day making stuff that you don't know what the potential of it is really or you don't know what. You don't know if it's going to break, but you still give your all. You know. Yeah, I mean?
0: you don't know if there's going to be a you payoff for it.
1: Yeah, you have no idea, but you still give it your all. You write with your all. You sing with your all. You sing notes that people don't even hear sometimes. You know what I mean? You, 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 you do things that nobody even notices, but it makes you feel fulfilled. And this is being done without anybody saying, okay, once you sing this song, I'm going to give you a million dollars. It's like you literally get up every day and trust, trust this and trust your heart, you know what I mean, to, to lead you in the right way. And those were invaluable lessons that I had to learn, which is why to this day, I don't really follow the crowd. I make music that feel good and I make music that resonates. And if it resonates with you, great, but I'm not going to try to make something for you. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah I'm not going to try to make what I think you like, because sometimes you don't even know what you like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's important for, for maintain that level of authenticity and identifiableness in a product, which is something that I've um, literally been working on and still continue to work on to this day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean so i I don't knock anybody, but uh, like we have to we have to learn. And we have to adapt and we have to adjust. So I understand the concerns of the people before, which is why we are doing what we're doing now. And we're trying to develop this whole industry down here. And we're trying to develop the players in the industry. And we're trying to validate more positions in the industry um, to literally um, set up the space. Because I feel like the Lakers didn't know who was going to be their star, but they still set up the structure. Once you set the structure up, then we will find who needs to be the star. And we'll move from Will to Kareem, to Kobe, to Shaq, to all these stars that we have as stars, but give thanks that there was a structure for them to be a star in.
0: I love that. Yeah, that, you know yeah, I mean? no, that, that makes so much sense. Right, so,
1: yeah, when it's important is a, a rough battle, but we're fighting the fight, my brother.
0: Yeah, well, so in 2017, that's when you put out your, your first record, your, your, your first solo record, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, the first record, Lily of the Valley, um, distributed by Easy Star. We got a whole lot of love on that project. We actually did seven weeks and number one on the reggae charts. Wow. And, and um, and we got a whole lot of love from that body of work. For the time frame that we were in for me um, and how my mindset um, was, where, where the music was concerned, was definitely a very rewarding project to get off your shoulders. Um did what it was supposed to do as well as gave me the opportunity to tour America and tour some other places with a product that I had never really um, done to an extensive. Like I've done, like I've been touring the States and I've done incredible gigs from Afropunk to um, touring with Lauren Hill to like, wow. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've done, you know, but being on the road with my album was such a rewarding feeling, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Knowing Knowing the reality of um, where you come from, and not a lot of people make it out of Jamaica. Not a lot, you know.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, uh, real quick on the on the Lauren Hill thing, did would did you tour with her on, on your own record, or did you tour with her as? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, we tour on our own record. It was actually um Gary, who's still a good friend of mine, Gary Clark. Gary oh, Gary Clark, Clark Junior. Yeah. yeah, good. good oh friend wow. Of mine. Yes, I was. Gary Clark, it was another girl from Chicago called No Name, who's a dope rapper. No uh, name Gypsy, I think her name is. Um, Talib was on for a couple of shows, Talib Kali. Yeah. And um Yeah, I think I think that was the I think that was the rundown. But yeah, Damn. it was definitely it was definitely dope for me because there was nobody there who really came to see Reggae. So converting those people every night was such a joy for me. You That's know what I mean? And it definitely helped me. Um Prove myself to myself, like it's easy to sing to the choir that's easy, sure you know I mean no no, no, singing for people who have no idea some people don't even know that Jamaica exists, you know what I mean mm-hmm. they came to hear that thing what you talking about
0: right <laughs> you know what I mean? right
1: was it was good for me to convert a lot of those individuals and even miss Hill after you know what I mean for to see how. She reacted to you know. What I mean, having that level of spirituality on the road with her too is good. You know,
0: mm-hmm. I was gonna ask you if she re- she probably remembered you as a kid, right? And then you're like, hey, no, remember I, when no, you were in honest, the studio? I, hey, <laughs> I was the kid kicking I, a soccer I ball. Be, I would
1: be lying. <laughs> I would be lying if I said she remembered me as a kid because okay. there was so much happening. You know what I mean? And I mean, I can only imagine as an artist, like she's focused on what she was doing. So unless I said, which I didn't say. Unless I said to her, yo, you know right. what I mean? Then she wouldn't have known. I mean, she probably figures because she, I think she knows the relationship between me and the Miley family. So it's like, she, she probably didn't know. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, she's Lauren Hill. She got so much on her mind. For me to be <laughs> like, hey, hey Miss Hill, do you remember like 10 years ago?
0: No. yeah but you know a little bit of cool little she would have probably got a kick out of that i'm sure like oh wow yeah. like you went from you know kicking the soccer ball around the studio to now you're opening up for me on this major tour yeah
1: yeah <laughs> but you know y'all be catch me still on the right day you
0: know <laughs> I'll catch you on the right day. that's uh that's funny um okay so you said that you obviously got a lot of love for that 2017 record um mm-hmm. spent a lot of time at number one and um So where does this new record come in, in the timeline as far as like, where were you, were you working on this album when like the coronavirus hit? Like, where were you at? Were you on the road when that happened? All right. So we
1: had just finished a tour in Europe. We had just finished like four weeks in Europe and um, got back to Jamaica. Then we headed out to LA. Um, we, We were in Fairfax doing some recording and, just linking up with some people and um, just getting some music flowing. A couple of the songs started coming to light. You know what I mean? A couple of ideas that we were confident in. And then um, I was supposed to... Yeah, I had a tour. I had a tour lined up. We had a two-month tour lined up. And like everybody else, you were holding on tight. I was like, those deposits are not going back. (laughs) you know. (laughs) But... But... um, it ended up being what it was, you know. What I mean, and we had to send back everything, and we cancelled um two tours actually. Oh and, gosh! Yeah, we cancelled two tours, and we had to end up pushing back the whole release of the album because, I mean, it was a very unsure time. You know, what I mean, like nobody knew like what was the next. How do you make the next move? How do you promote in this time? How do you operate in this time? How do you know? What I mean, and um that was definitely something that was kind of troubling to me, but then as, as time progressed, you realize that every, every, like, I like to say that the creator's timing is perfect. You know what I mean? Like if, you know, I, mean? I think we would have put more than 24 hours in a day. You know, I think we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten the sunset and the sunrise as right as him, you know? So per, his timing is always perfect. So even with this project, I, I I, like to say, okay, my, my, my timing that I was working with Um, seems to be a bit off, but the creator's timing is never off. You know what I mean? So, if I trust that, then it will be what it's supposed to be, and this is exactly what's happening. You know what I mean? A couple other songs came during that time period that I don't know if I was not touring, I would have been able to connect with some of these individuals. And um, there was a lot of Zoom calls and there was a lot of phone calls and FaceTime calls and FaceTime writing sessions and FaceTime mixing sessions. And um, yeah, we had to adjust, but I I, I feel like that's, that's, that's a part of being human, you know? Mm-hmm. A part of being human is, is, is the ability to adjust, you know, and, and, and manipulate circumstances versus being manipulated by circumstances. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, 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 we, we, we went head on, you know what I mean? Give thanks to Easy Star, you know what I mean? A, a great set of individuals, super transparent, who um, have a dope relationship with business-wise and off the track, you know what I mean? And um, we came together and we were like, yo, Let's, let's fire this shot. You know what I mean? We started hearing the songs and the feedback that we were getting from people were like, okay, well, um, y'all really like these songs. You know what I mean? So we made the decision to go ahead and fire and hey, look what's happening. The world is opening. Mm-hmm. And that's why I mean, I say, you know, the, 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 the creator's timing is, is always perfect, you know? Like um, even the wisest of many still a fool in our creator's eyes, you know? I don't know if we would uh, understand why you need a gallbladder. You know what I mean? Like, I don't <laughs> think we, we we would ever think about fingernails. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, sure. Uh, and these are the same. Of course, we would have been like, yes, we need a heart to pump the blood. We need uh da-da-da-da. But then there's some little fine details, you know, like the yellows are so yellow out there in the world. You know, the greens are so green. The blues are so blue. You know what I mean? And, even us as human beings, our, our idea of comfort has literally just been trying to mimic what the world has already offered. Mm-hmm. You know, you study the plane and you get a bird. You know, you study, you study the tree and you get a roof. <laughs> you know, you, you st- so it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? I still try to maintain that oneness and understand that everything is already here. Uh, and if you look close enough, you'll see. And if you listen deep enough, you hear.
0: I love your outlook, man. It's so be- like just like, yeah. I I mean, just so it's so positive. Just thinking like, yeah, you know this this is how it's supposed to be. So we're just gonna strap in and 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 the fact that you saw this whole you know pandemic and you're like, well, I wouldn't have maybe got a couple more of these songs that made the record yeah. if it wasn't for this.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like you know. You, sometimes we have this habit of when things are good, is God, and when things are bad, it's evil.
0: You mm-hmm. know,
1: but we have to kind of break. Cause listen, Anna, I'm going to tell you a secret. All these things are just words, okay, my friend. So if you if you spell good and you take out one of those O's, you got God, and if you add a D to evil, you got the devil. So they're they're all they're all just words, okay? Yeah, but um. We, we like the, the who makes the beautiful snowflakes fall still made that volcano. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's not. It's That's not, a great point.
1: Yeah, it's not like okay. Yeah, yeah. The good things that no, it's like everything good, everything have its purpose. I mean, for us, you know what I mean, it may be inconvenient at times, but we are still only a part of a bigger system. The the universe is a big system. I mean, it isn't our system. We are a part of this system. You know, so yeah, with all of that, we did get get the album ready and ready for fire. And to be honest, the Corona did make we do a lot more inward, um, like a lot more retrospection. Like a lot of these songs have me talking to myself in a weird way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being honest with myself. Like there's a song on this project called When Daddy's Not Home. And that was a very honest song to me, probably one of the most honest songs I've written. A lot of musicians and artists and a lot of people sometimes, um, so they know, they know Jesse Royal, you know, and Jesse Royal, but then I have daughters who only know daddy, mm-hmm. you know, and when, and when you go tour, they aren't saying, oh, daddy's out there making sure we got food on the table. They're just like, no, daddy's not home. He's
0: not home, right.
1: Daddy's just not home. And, and we have to respect their perspective and Rafa validate their conversations by entertaining their ideas and sifting through it, you know, and that was something that I had to do. And then I learned that I had to explain, like, I can't just expect her to understand. Like, I have to explain that um, I'm doing life without a trial. That's the cost of being inspired. Followed the smoke and got fired because my dreams wouldn't accept denial. You know, pouring my thoughts into your heart. I wish I could get back the time we lost. I'd pay the price no matter the cost. You will never know the half. When me in a side beside of you, may I risk my life for you. You know what I mean? So it's like literally just trying to explain so that he also can see where daddy's coming from and the day will come where they too will have a family and they'll understand, okay, your daddy really had to sacrifice you know i mean to um provide us with a certain mm-hmm. life you know
0: i love that yeah oh my gosh yeah. well um so the the record is coming out what next month
1: yeah the record is going to be out june 11th okay I'm super excited super excited for really um to share this body of work um with the world you know i mean we've we've taken a lot of time to refine the thing them man there's songs that are different, you know what I mean? There's songs where I'm talking about Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, there's songs where I say, yo, not even holy water can clean your dirty money, you know, like it's completely different, um, concepts, but as I said, we're definitely super excited for to share this with the world on June 11th. And we're actually doing like a live show on June 12th down in Wynwood, in Miami, you know oh, what I mean? Wow. And, uh, and, uh
0: like to an actual <laughs> audience. <laughs> yeah, to an actual audience.
1: The funny thing is, like, we dropped some early bird tickets, um like a couple of days ago, and all of those are gone now. So we're wow. We're, we're, like, we're like trying to figure out how do we like readjust, you know? Because I really want to share it with people, you know, and I, I, want, I want people to be able to feel it from my perspective and see through my lens and hear it through my voice, not just. Over them platform, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's amazing that you're able to play a show, especially to celebrate the record. I mean, that's huge. And yeah, starting to open up a little bit. And you know, maybe we'll be able to. I was gonna find
1: a way, bro. I was gonna find a way. (laughs) If I I had to go to Japan, I would have been in Tokyo with this (laughs)
0: shit. I love it i love it well thank you so much jesse for doing this man i really appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me and i love the whole minimalist approach in that room
0: oh thank you it's mainly because we just moved from from san diego to nashville and so oh nashville yeah i haven't had we just moved here about two months ago so hadn't had a chance to really unpack but we love it here it's different definitely different pace of living
1: yeah a good friend of mine lives in nashville I can have a couple of friends in Nashville, yeah.
0: Well, when you're here next time, come. We're, we're the door's open for you, man. We'd love to ha- have you over. Def- definitely,
1: man. Much love, and I wish you not but continued success, health, wealth, um, blessings, and prosperity, my
0: bro. I appreciate it. You too, man. I have one more question, though, before I let you go. Is that cool? No problem. Uh, do you have any advice for aspiring artists?
1: Um, My advice to aspiring artists would be keep on working on you. You know what I mean? There's all these people in the world, but there'll never be another you. And I think when you understand that, you 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 embrace a different light and, and you have a different glow. And I don't care how long it takes, but they're going to find you and they're going to see it and they're going to recognize it because I've never seen this before. So I like to tell people, say, "You just maintain your authenticity because there is something special about you that nobody else has. Even if it's the whistle. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we look for the greatest things, but let's maintain your authenticity, know what works for you and work on that. You know what I mean? Know what works for you and work work on that. And then work on the things that you know you're weak into, work on those things. It's like, you know what I mean? I mean, there's a man like Shaquille O'Neal who just couldn't do anything. He just can't shoot free throws. I understand that but mm. you know what I mean as an artist you have the ability to read, learn, study you know what I mean like and yeah just for lack of a better term feel yourself you know what I mean and know that you're special bro and, 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 and there's some the vibes that you're going to offer to the world and nobody else can offer but you you know what I mean so that would be my only advice to just maintain your authenticity and and maintain the mindset of that there's something special in you you know what I mean and just keep watering your roots yeah